Suzumita Switlow. I work as an outreach officer for QSO VSO in Western Canada and Western United States. And part of my job is to meet the alumni of our organization. And as usual, I'm sitting here at a kitchen table. I always end up at a kitchen table. I'm sitting with Helen, and I'd like to, Helen, introduce you to our, our uh, audience. And wow. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Helen. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Helen, it's been a long time since you went on uh, service. Please tell us what you know about the history of our organization and some of the important and critical moments and people that helped make this happen. Well, I'm about as pioneer as they come because I was one of the first 16 that went overseas in, the fir in 1961. And... Um, the organization was um, really the brainchild of a man called Keith Spicer, who is retired now and living in Paris. But uh, at the time, Keith was a graduate student in um, in India, doing working on his doctorate, doctoral thesis, and he met a man called uh, Dr. Donald K. Ferris, who was an agriculturalist living in India, and he had written a book called To Plow with Hope. Um, Keith was so impressed by Dr. Ferris and the book because they came up with this idea of young people, young Canadian people, going to work in developing countries and imparting what skills they had but bringing a lot more back to their own countries, uh, bringing back an international background. And originally that was the idea. We, the 15 of us were to go abroad and serve and learn, as, as Keith said so many times. Um, we added one more person um, near uh, about halfway through the program. It was a young man from uh, Woodstock, Ontario, who heard about, who saw, I think he saw a, a newspaper article on the group, and he was just determined he was going to go along with us, even though he wasn't part of the original 15. His name was John Wilcox, and he, to this day, lives on Salt Spring Island. I'm going to go see him in a couple of days. Yeah, well, John has got quite a story. And he was a little bit younger than the rest of us, and uh, he kind of became the the group mascot. We all were very fond of John, and we were very happy. He went and raised his own money, um, went out to various service groups, and raised every penny that was required at that time for him to go overseas. Uh, anyway, the group um, the group started uh, with just an, an informal meeting at University of Toronto back in I think February of 1961, and uh, or January, and um, we walked into this room, and there was this crazy-eyed man at the front, gesticulating and waving his arms around, and that was Spicer at the time, and uh, he he um, he told us that uh, there was about 80 of us, I think, and through a process of um, of interviews, we were whittled down to 15, and uh, 10 of these people were to go to India, three were to go to Ceylon, and uh, my husband and I were to go to Borneo. When I joined the group, um, I, um, I was working in Toronto, and my, I met my husband, Clem Wooldridge, um, in the course of various lectures that we had. And from the day we met to the day we were married was, a, was almost three months. We left two weeks before um, we were to sail for uh, for Salon. 
We've always, I've heard a lot of people talk about us as being an international um, a, a development agency that works well in dating. <laughs> very true, very true. I think many, many people have met through CUSO and married through CUSO. So you were part of the Toronto group. There was also a Vancouver group working at the same time. Yes. And so this group of 15, did, it, did some come from UBC? Well, I came from UBC. I just ah. happened to be working in Toronto at the okay. time, and that's why I was part of the Toronto group. Okay. I believe, I don't know too much about the Vancouver group. You probably know more, but I, un I understand they just went to Africa. Did they not? Yes, I think yeah. they did. So we're going to, I'm going to be meeting with the uh, founders of the UBC clan uh, in August, and we're going to hear more about this story. So you... As a group of 15 people, tell me what you had studied at university. Well, that's, I was hoping to go into the Foreign Service. I mean, my, my hopes were always to go and work abroad at some point. So I majored in languages. Um, I, I am Polish-speaking by background, but I took Russian and I also majored in English. And <clears throat> my idea was to graduate and go work somewhere in Eastern Europe with the diplomatic corps. Mm. However, at the time I was working at the Vancouver Sun on weekends and during the summers, and somewhere along en route, um, instead of going into the diplomatic corps, I went into journalism. And why I was offered a job working in Toronto, so that's why I was in Toronto when all of this happened uh, in, um, at the University of Toronto. So you end up in Borneo with a man, <laughs> and what's your assignment? My job was, we went to a, a school called Tanjan Lobang Secondary School. It was a boarding school uh, that was made up of students from the jungle, uh, what, uh, Malay students who are primarily town students and Chinese students. Uh, the majority were uh, of the various tribal groups in Borneo who uh, would come and spend uh, four or five months at school go back briefly and, and then come back to school. Uh, the interesting thing, would, the way we went over, I just wanted to mention that, yes. because um, Keith, uh, Keith had quite a job putting this organization together, and he fortunately had the help of a lawyer in Toronto called Fred Stinson. And we worked out of Fred's office, really, up till 2 in the morning, writing letters, trying to get jobs, trying to get some sort of passage for all these people. So we ended up flying to London, uh, then catching a ship from London and taking the ship, stopping off in Bombay, where we are Mumbai now, as it's called, and dropping off the contingent of 10 in India. Then the five of us went on to Ceylon, and then Clen and I flew from Ceylon to Singapore, and we had to wait in Singapore for about a week or so, and then we went on to Sarawak, which at that point, it was... Um, Kuching, for example, was just a tiny little village. Hmm. It was, uh, it's certainly not the international city it is today. Wow, you've seen lots of changes. Huge changes. We're going to take a pause here and come back shortly.